This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we go, hour two on a great day for talk radio. It's one of those days where uh, there's a whole lot of news going on. Doug Ford is playing rather large in several stories. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we were talking with Jerry Diaz from Unifor and uh, the Auto Workers Union, who weren't really pleased with Doug Ford's initial response to the GM plant closure announcement in Oshawa. And so uh, Jerry said, surprisingly, that uh, he was actually a little more optimistic or bullish on how Doug Ford had responded earlier today in their meeting, and uh, Doug having met with the GM executives in Detroit, who he says are really unmovable on the file. Uh, They're planning the closure, but uh, Doug is suggesting that uh, he's going to roll up his sleeves now and do whatever he can on their behalf in Durham region. So uh, that remains to be seen. We'll be, by the way, talking in the next hour to David Patterson, the Vice President of Corporate Affairs for General Motors Canada, in response. I mean, uh, again, if this is something that uh, really is irreconcilable, how they plan to actually set things up for folks who are going to be put out of work at the end of this year. And uh, that needs to be pressed a little more fully, so we'll do that in that hour. Also have our panel coming up and topics worthy of discussion. Uh, There's a lot to be said about Mr. Schellenberg in China awaiting a death sentence. And the guy had a a rather lengthy rap sheet in Canada itself. Now, I don't know if that does uh, mitigate or change sympathies towards the individual, but that's one of those touchy topics we'll get to with our panel in just a moment. Still on the Ford file, though, uh, this has to do with hydro rates. You know, Doug Ford did promise during the campaign that he'd slash Ontario hydro prices by 12%, in addition to sort of uh, assuming what Kathleen Wynne's Liberals had done by reducing by 25% in the short term by extending payments out uh, to ratepayers over a 40-year amortization period. I wanted to get to it because, you know, it's, uh, according to a piece in the Globe and Mail anyway, a little more complicated to reduce by 12% when you've got people like Toronto Hydro, as of January 1, just two weeks ago, raising prices by 5.4%. So how do we square that circle? Let's ask the expert. Tom Adams is in the house, the Independent Energy and Environmental Advisor. Tom, it's good to have you here on the Oakley Show in person, and I appreciate your coming in. So right on, John. My question to you is, uh, yeah, if you've got things heading in the other direction, how do you get it down 12%? Yeah, so Ford's got a big challenge here. So um, uh, w- one of his promises, of course, was to drop power power rates 12%. Um, uh, that's on top of, as you mentioned, the uh, uh, rate decrease that we saw back in 2017. That's all borrowed money, right, That that previous rate increase. So... Um, the other uh, election promise that he's made, and you know his, his cabinet's very strongly committed to, is is they're going to do something about the deficit. They got to get the get deficit under control. Well, the interaction between those two things is that the electricity problems that uh, Ontario has are huge contributors to the the deficit. Um, uh, by adopting the accounting approach that had been recommended by the Auditor General. That made the deficit situation uh, a, a whole lot better than had been reported under Kathleen Wynne uh, uh, because the electricity losses carry forward onto the province's books. That's a big piece of the $15 billion of, of, of deficit that we've got. So this is the rock and the hard place that, that Ford's got himself into. Um, and, 
you know, my, my take on this is, look, you know, Ford took over, um, uh, you know, the PC party in a time when the party was distressed. Uh, he made some promises. If people had confidence that he was really making good progress on, you know, getting to the bottom of the electricity file, I think, we, you know, a lot of people, me included, would cut him a lot of slack, you know, if he doesn't mm-hmm. deliver on the 12% right out of the gate. Um, uh, but y- you look across his, y- you know, his interventions in the electricity file, the energy file generally, he's brought in a couple pieces of legislation, right. he's changed some contracts and whatnot. Um, I, he's done some things in the positive direction, you know, like you want to be fair about all that. You know, he, he cut some, for example, some renewable energy contracts, um, uh, relatively small potatoes in terms of dollar savings. Mm. But, uh, you know, it was a step in the right direction. Right. You know, so he's been doing some good stuff. But in terms of you add it all up, doesn't get you anywhere close to 12 percent. Well, it's interesting because uh, one of his closest staffers is now going to the Ontario Energy Board. Jenny Byrne. Yeah. Uh, Is that going to be complicated, problematic, or is this something where the Ontario Energy Board, the regulator who sets rates and prices, may actually be getting diktats or decrees from on high? Yeah, this is, you know... This is really dicey country here. What what he's doing, his his principal secretary, you know, has been announced going to the Ontario Energy Board. Um, uh, you know, the en- Energy Board needs a shakeup. You know, they need some new thinking in there. But this is a very politically, uh, you know, obviously political um, uh, kind of appointment. It politicizes the Energy Board. There have been a lot of concerns in recent years, just, you know, not just Doug Ford, but going back to the Liberals about the uh, legislative changes that give the government directive power over the energy board. So it's kind of been losing its independence and professionalism in, free, in recent years. Is that a problem? That's that's not the right way to go. Um, uh, it, it's, you know, so, so Ford's... Ford still hasn't come out with his plan, you know, for how he's going to take on all this stuff. Mm. Um, uh, And, you know, so the little pieces that we do see, like the appointments, for example, and the legislative changes, they're they're not adding up to uh, to big rate savings for ratepayers. But the Energy Board can freeze rate hikes, can't they? Yeah, Um, uh, the Energy Board can put things in the right direction, right? Uh And but. Of course, none of this is a quick turnaround. Um, one of the things about the twelve percent, you know, to recall, I think, is that Doug Ford was never really that hard and fast about when he was going to deliver the twelve percent. Okay. Um, so, um, uh, how do you arrive at twelve percent? By the way, why that number? <laughs> you know, he arrived at twelve percent because Patrick Brown, in his previous People's Guarantee election platform that he'd rolled out, had put a twelve percent number on it. Mm. Uh, this is a number that was drawn, you know, from, from outer space, right? Uh, like, it, it, there's very little, there's no substance underneath this, right. and there's no real careful analysis uh, to back it up, and we can see that. Yeah. But if they're seen moving in the right direction, you're saying that may be enough uh, to assuage the ratepayers that uh, at least, you know, they're going in the right direction. Yeah, well, like, everybody recognizes the electricity file, you know, has a lot of problems. It's got, uh, it's going to take a long time to dig our way out of this stuff, that's why we need a plan so we can kind of see where the you know where the next steps are going. 
Again, with Tom Adams, he's an independent energy and environmental advisor, and we're just discussing, well, this is further to a story that was in the Globe the other day. Rate hikes by power utilities complicate Doug Ford's promise to slash Ontario hydro prices by 12%. But the uh, wild card may, in fact, be the Ontario Energy Board. And then you've got all these other things. I mean, the cancellation of energy contracts, I don't know what the penalties are for that. The other thing that was... uh, or arose recently is a vista the two coal-fired plants in Washington State where their regulator decided that Ontario, despite being the 47% majority shareholder uh, in Ontario Hydro, despite it's being privatized now, they're still the province, and so that Ford had meddled by uh, ditching Mayo Schmidt, the CEO, and the board soon followed that this was political interference and they didn't allow the sale to go through. Apparently, there's a $100 million penalty attached to that. Yeah, or, or maybe uh, substantially more. You know, I think it's still work, being worked out, but the, the figures have bounced around $180 million. W- One thing to appreciate about the Hydro One situation, since Mayo Schmidt got let go, you know, more or less just uh, as soon as Ford was kind of sitting in the big chair, um, uh, uh, there hasn't been a leadership team at Hydro One. So here you got a multi-billion dollar utility. Um, its expansion plan into the U.S. Uh, you know, has obviously gone down in flames now. Two uh, 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 different state regulators have come in with findings against uh, you know, disallowing the, uh, the, the Avista deal. Um, uh, so th- there's big consequences that arise from that. Meanwhile, Back at home, you know where you know where Hydro One should be sticking to its knitting. You got a situation where you got this very important, uh, uh, you know, utility that we all depend on. It's got no leadership. Um, uh, they, you know, they, they, there's no CEO, and and that situation has persisted now like over six months. And you got to wonder, like, hang on a second, some like the governance situation at Hydro One is just unacceptable. Well, this was something that was reiterated, I think, by uh, the Bank of Nova Scotia analyst, uh, Robert Hope. He's been cited here in this piece in the Globe and Mail, downgrading expectations for Hydro One shares, which isn't good because the province being a 47% shareholder, that diminishes the value of the stock. Yeah, it, it's, it sounds like, you know, well, why would a ratepayer care? Um, uh, but really, the sweet spot, what you really want to have is strong utilities that are able to deliver, you know, uh, um, uh, sensible plans over the long haul that with a, a regulator that can kind of supervise all that. Ontario used to have a system like that in the way we regulated natural gas. Um, it was a hugely successful system, very strong utilities, terrific value for customers, uh, uh, very low steady delivery rates. If we could only... <laughs> If we could only get to that for electricity. Well, we do have a guaranteed rate of return for these utilities, don't we? Y- yeah. So um, the Can way that the re- be altered, uh, the, the regulator has has uh, you know grants the utilities a uh, um, a regulated rate of return, which is pretty well a guarantee. You know, um, sure. Yeah, um, Can't lose. Now, the, the the quid pro quo of that is that that allows the utilities to borrow a lot of money at very advantageous rates. So if you start messing around with the rate of return, you run the risk of actually not doing benefit for the rate 
repair because their cost of borrowing goes up. So there's a sweet spot about how you kind of you you, you, you know the the regulator ought to be intervening in these in these things, and it's not just uh, oh yeah so the rate of return creates a, a cost therefore we'll just dial down that cost and the and the repair benefits. It's not that simple. Okay, it's a balance that has to be struck. Finally, I've got to ask because you know uh, the liberals were saying the reason for the exorbitant rates, uh, notwithstanding, of course, the whole Green Energy Act and whatever else is, but there had to be so much retrofitting of uh, the system and the grid and so on and so forth, and those were these uh, sunk costs, I guess, going forward, and that's why the rates were high. Anything to that? And we get some of that from Toronto Hydro as well, right? You know, the aging assets and whatnot, and, you know, so they they put on all kinds of layers of nice-sounding, you know, smart grid, smart meters, all these kinds of things that sound kind of cool. Um, uh, in, in reality, there's a half-truth to a lot of that stuff, and that's why you need a really effective regulator to kind of sort out the, the ones, you, you know, the arguments for aging assets that really hold together. Um, uh, if you if you start slicing into it, I mean, i got a lot of concerns about Toronto Hydro's recent rate increase. Right. Uh, uh, um, what, 5.4% January 1? Well, and and, and and this is like they're, they're, they're working on a capital plan that goes out, uh, you know, several years into the future that that lock would lock us in for substantially higher rates. Toronto Hydro's already got by far the highest uh, distribution rates of any urban utility in Ontario, and not such a great uh, reliability record to show for it. So, you, you know, the, the, there, there needs to be pushback on this whole file, but it has to be done carefully because you can really break stuff. All right. Well, uh, so it all rests, I guess, with the Ontario Energy Board and however uh, they will massage things uh, and stick handle through the process so that we can get rate reductions, as promised by Doug Ford during the election campaign. That's what he's got on plan. Tom, great to have you come in and explain things to us. I appreciate it very much. Right on. Thanks, John. Tom Adams, again, Independent Energy and Environmental Advisor. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.